Good morning. Welcome on in on this Thursday. What's it? The 27th of January. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ finishing up some time off. I'm PK. Have Scotty G be joining us here in a couple hours. Well, for now, stop me if you heard this. Uh, another valiant effort by the Jazz. And guess what? Another loss. They've lost 9 of 11 now. The Suns sweep them in the two-game series. Yeah, I know. Mitchell and Gobert were out. They were out, no doubt about it. And I guess it's going to be continuing to be the same story. We all, all of us can't wait until they get back to full strength. It's got to happen at some point, right? Sooner the better. Yeah. All this losing, man. It's an amazing amount of losing that they have had so far. Line of 11. You never would have thought that. But then again, you never would have thought that they'd had such jumbled lineups all over the place. Uh, two games back now, or two games ahead of uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Fun game last night, late game. A little tired today, huh? If you're listening early, either you're tired too, or you didn't watch the whole game. Or maybe you didn't watch any of it. <laughs> well, I did. That's what I do. That's what I'm supposed to do. No problem there. I'll go home, take a nap. I'll be just fine. I'm used to it by now. That's the... Uh, the one downside of this job, obviously, is having to get up so early every day. And usually it's not that big of a deal. It's just when they have these late games. And the game was an 8 o'clock game for ESPN. started a few minutes afterward. So that's the way it goes. I prefer my late games on Fridays and Saturdays. Maybe they can make a rule just for me. So you look at this game. Went about as, uh, as I thought. Now, my gosh, not at start, man. Devin Booker with 21 points outscoring the... Jazz single-handedly in the first quarter. That was incredible. Jazz only had 18 points in the first quarter. Booker Booker's a player. You know, I always thought he took so much abuse. Well, he just puts up meaningless stats on a lousy team. Okay. What was he supposed to do? Put up no stats on a, a bad team? At least he was putting up stats. Sort of reminds me of Matthew Stafford with the Lions. You know, he wasn't that good of a quarterback. Really? How about now? Maybe he just needed some players around him. And maybe he was really good. I happen to think Stafford was good. And what he's doing now with the Rams, who's surprised? I know I'm not. If I'm betting, which I don't, but if I am, I'm picking Stafford to go to the Super Bowl with his Rams. Not that he's going to be the sole reason by any stretch, but... Sometimes you have to look beyond, and I always thought Booker took some abuse. It's like he scored about 70 points against the Celtics. I think it was a former Jazz guy, Earl Watson, was the coach, and they were feeding him just to get the points. And it's almost like because he scored all those points that he became a target, a focal point of guys who score a bunch of points and don't mean anything because the team doesn't win. Well, the Suns for a decade stunk, and I don't know that it was his fault. And now we're seeing he's still scoring a lot, but somehow it's not as shallow or hollow. It's because the team around him is really good. I mean, you look at what they did. They're, they were missing two starters, Crowder and Aiton, and McGee, their backup center. But old Biombo comes in, plays well enough. Now, that's not the strength of their team. Obviously, the guard line, I think you have to admit, Chris Paul and Booker, best starting guard combination in the league. Who do you got that's better? I realize Conley and Mitchell made both made the All-Star team last year. But that was a different time for the Jazz. Now, not saying that they're worse by any stretch, but maybe 
Maybe they're not. They're certainly not as good as in the regular season. I don't think any of us can argue that. And we look toward the playoff. That's what we got now, right? I mean, that's where you got to go with this. You got to look towards the postseason, right? And figure that they're going to have their guys, and then we'll see what happens. For whatever reason, man, maybe it's just a jumbled lineup and I'm caught up in the moment. But certainly to me, the team doesn't look as good. Although on paper going into the season, I thought it was better. And, and maybe in a month when we get to that point with guys playing. I mean, this is the same team that was uh, won 16 out of 13. 16 out of 13. How about we go the other way? 13 out of 16. That's, that, uh, that makes sense, right? Just uh, a little while back, and then everything everything has gone to pot with the injuries. And, and some of the times it just set out guys. I don't know, maybe that could have made a little bit of a difference. Probably not. But nevertheless, the Suns are rolling, man. You got to give it up to them. Booker with, what do you have? What do you finish with? 43 points in the 105-97 win. Jazz now dropped to, uh, what are they, 30 and 18, 30 and 19, something like that. Suns, man, continue to roll. You've got to give them credit. So we'll hit that. It's sort of the same song and dance over and over again, right? It's a little bit uh, hard to break it down and take it seriously until they get all their dudes. And then we'll be able to make an evaluation. I think what we got is an, an evaluation of University of Utah basketball. They went up to Washington State and just got obliterated. Tried to watch some of that game, but man, it was tough. They're just not that good. Not that good at all. As they fall to what, 1-10 in, in the conference? You know, I didn't think they were going to be that good, but I thought that maybe they could stay a little closer with Washington State. But Washington State really drilled them. I think the big surprise of the night was your Utah State Aggies. How about that? San Diego State's one of the better teams. Aggies came in at 1-5, 10-9. And, and, and San Diego State battling for first place in the Mountain West Conference. The Aggies took it to them. you got to give them credit. They played well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, you look at the Center State. I mean, they came in at eleven four three and two. Excuse me, three and one, three and two now. So it's a big win for them. Get them some momentum. You know, I don't think they're going to get that large bid by any stretch of the imagination. But Odom in his first year, much like Smith down at Salt Lake, you're trying to build something. And that's about the best you could hope for. And the you know Aggies lost a bunch of guys, obviously, and got a couple transfers. So nice win for them. You gotta you gotta give them credit. All right, obviously we'll hit that basketball. We also got football to talk about. Football is a big topic. NFL playoffs, and we'll have our guy Lincoln Kennedy joining us in about an hour and fifteen minutes. Former NFL player, analyst for the Raiders, be able to break down, see what he knows. Now he's he's tough. Tied into the Raiders, obviously. And hearing about uh, Jim Harbaugh, would he be interested in taking over the Raiders job? What do you think? Would that be something that he'd be interested in? He's a big name. Had some success first time around in the NFL. And was pretty good at Michigan last season. So we'll talk to Lincoln right around 7.30. And then I said, as I said, about 8 o'clock, Scotty G will help me out as DJ's out. So stay with us. What we're going to do now, we're going to talk to Steve Klauke because... Almost 30 years into it, the franchise that was the Buzz, the Bees, and the Stingers 
They've got their first legitimate baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah, David Ortiz played for the Buzz way back when, when he was with Minnesota, when he was part of the Minnesota Twins organization. Steve Klauke has a some insight into David Ortiz, and he'll share a funny story with us. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Good morning. Welcome on in. We got the announcement that David Ortiz is going to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's got big-time numbers, big-time winner, won the World Series three times with Boston, was uh, the spiritual leader of the Red Sox. Well, he used to play for the Buzz, and Steve Klauke, who is been, has been the longtime radio announcer, for the franchise through the three different names and the two different affiliations. He tells us about Mr. Ortiz when he was with the buzz. Here we go. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Now here is joining as, as our local baseball excerpt, expert and Grateful Dead groupie Steve Klauke. Steve, good morning. I'm grateful to be alive <laughs> at my age. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe it, man. You're you're you're, you're like what are you? Eighty two now? Um, I'll be sixty seven <laughs> this weekend. So yes, still this weekend. Well, happy birthday! Thank yeah, you. way to go. <laughs> I right. made it that far. Yeah, well, there you actually, go. I haven't yet, but we'll see. Oh, you know, and curse yourself like Betty White, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she didn't curse herself. It was all Somebody the magazines did. that yeah, yeah. were celebrating her 100th birthday. Yeah, yeah, a month before. Although that would be awesome if you lived a, a life uh, like she lived. That's Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, she was an all-time treasure. So they put in uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, mm-hmm. and he is a former buzz man, right? I mean, if I remember correctly, the buzz and all with the stadium and the great ballpark that's still going strong. It started in time for the 94 season. Is that accurate? That is correct. And uh, we were a Minnesota affiliate through the 2000 season, and David played a handful of games in 97 and in 98, but spent the entire season in 1999 here in Salt Lake uh, with a September call-up later. And he, 30 home runs, 110 runs batted in the 30 homers was a team record for a left-handed hitter until Jared Walsh broke it two years ago with, with 36. He had you know, 35 doubles, like I say, 110 runs batted in. And uh, the, the problem for David at that point was – I think it was only five games the entire season where he DH'd. He was at first base the entire year and set a franchise record that'll never be broken. And that's 20 errors in one season at first base. I mean, that's Ooh. almost that's almost impossible to do. He's not exactly Keith Hernandez over there at the, at the first. No, at the first no, play. no. And, and so I think that's why he <laughs> fell out of favor uh, with Minnesota. Of course, it didn't help that that year when he got called up, he went 0 for 20 at the plate. But uh, Tom Kelly, the longtime Twins manager didn't like DHs. He wanted to use the DH spot as maybe a half day off for his gotcha. regular lineup. And so, uh, you know, the, David really never had a chance to be successful with Minnesota. The best thing to happen to him was when the Twins released him. He ended up going to the Boston Red Sox where he had such a stellar career. Yeah, I saw that he has spent the most uh, percentage of his time as a DH. I think they said 88% mm-hmm. of his time was as a DH. I mean, and occasionally Boston would use him in, in a National League park where there was no DH. Uh, they'd use him at first base. But uh, for the most part, it was safe for all concerned to be uh, at, the, <laughs> at the DH spot. But he was, a, he was a fun guy when he was in Salt Lake. Uh, before he was the big poppy, he was known as the big O. 
uh, with all due respect to uh, Oscar Robertson. And uh, <laughs> I guess my favorite uh, Ortiz story was one time he was taking batting practice, stopped what he was doing, and uh, put his bat down on home plate, started to walk around the batting cage, and nobody had any idea what he was doing. Well, it turns out he walked straight up to me, took his hat off, put it on my head, and said, here, the glare's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because you're a little follically challenged? Exactly. That's, that's the correct term that I use, follically challenged. <laughs> so he's always been a big personality then? Absolutely, absolutely. And he just, you know, the, uh, the Red Sox fans fell uh, you know, in love with him right away. Of course, uh, uh, you know, the 2004 home run that extended that ALCS that led to the greatest comeback in postseason history uh, for the Red Sox over the Yankees. And you know, that just endeared him for the rest of his career. And he had that great personality he had the you know the profane uh, retort uh, in his uh, in the Red Sox comeback after the bombing situation yeah. uh, in the uh, Boston Marathon and uh, and that just endeared him even more and uh, I don't know of in, in in our last 20 years or whatever a guy who had more clutch hits than anybody else uh, in Major League Baseball and of course uh, it, it's interesting I was looking at his numbers he actually led the major leagues in doubles his last year as a player. Doubles and runs batted in, but the doubles thing really surprised me. Because he's not fleet of foot? Well, I, I just I can, I can see David stretching a lot of doubles into singles. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm wondering, uh, you and I have talked to baseball with you many times over the years. We're a couple of baseball guys. Uh, the only difference is I like going to concerts more, and I've gravitated towards soccer, and you've resisted both. Other than you that, other than other than that, we're we're like brothers from different mothers. I mean, <laughs> it's just right there. So you know, in my conversations with you over the years, you've been able to say, okay, this guy's going to be this and that, and so forth, and you're accurate and basically in your predictions. I'm wondering if you foresaw any of this, or what did you foresee for David Ortiz going forward after? he was done with his minor league stints. It's interesting, PK, because uh, I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday about that. It's just, I, there's no way in the world I thought that. I thought he was maybe maybe even just going to be a 4A player, a guy who puts up great numbers in the minor leagues, but not in the majors, because he hadn't shown anything with Minnesota, and particularly after that big 1999 season with us going over 20 uh, in, in the big leagues, I thought, okay, well, we'll probably see him again in 2000. Well, he did spend a couple of years in the big leagues with Minnesota, never coming back to the minor leagues before he ended up with Boston. So, no, I had no idea that... Uh, that was going to be what, what kind of a future that David Ortiz was going to have, let alone a Hall of Fame career. So he was another, what was it, uh, you thought he might be another Bernardo Burrito? Yes, I absolutely. absolutely. That's a good uh, correlation there. I think, uh, you know, Bernardo was a guy, maybe he never got the chance he deserved as a designated hitter uh, in the Twins organization, and it was his own fault that he never left the Twins organization because he kept re-signing with Minnesota because he loved playing for uh, the buzz owner, Joe Buzis, uh, partially because... He would pay him under the table, uh, like five hundred dollars for every home run that he hit, and a thousand dollars if it was a grand slam or a game winner. Uh, Joe Buzis, the Bill Veck of minor league baseball. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that name. Those were uh, those were some good names. Now, Steve Clarkie joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, Mike Trout spent what three weeks here, yes. and then and we we knew he was destined for stardom. The for 
before he even got here, right? So seeing what he's doing is not a surprise. So he's most likely going to go in the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm wondering, has there been another player, any other player, not necessarily just like an injury rehab, mm-hmm. but spent any fair amount of time here that is in the Hall of Fame? No, uh, the only one that ever has prior to David was uh, an injury rehab guy, like you said. Paul Molitor played two games for us in 1998 down in Tucson and went uh, five for ten at the plate. But uh, no, nobody else uh, uh, in this franchise's uh, history has made it to the Hall of Fame. And you know, I, I don't know that uh, there's anybody. I mean, I guess the closest guy that could get there but probably won't would be Tory Hunter. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know if it's done, but should they retire David Ortiz's number with the with the bees? I'd be curious to see which one because I think he wore primarily he wore twenty three in, 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 in a buzz uniform. And by the way, if, if, if people want to see it on YouTube, there's actually a, um, uh, this has been on YouTube for many many years. Uh, the uh, uh, I think it was KSL put together a, a David Ortiz Buzz highlight package, and it was uh, it was pretty interesting to watch. He was uh, he was definitely skinnier back then. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> Steve Cloudy joining us, and we know that right now there's a lockout. Can you explain what effect that will have on minor league baseball, particularly AAA with the Bees? Well, the good news is that there's no effect uh, in regards to the games being played. Uh, the, the minor league schedule will begin as uh, it is right now on April the 5th with the Bees opening in Tacoma. The only effect that there will be is that 40-man roster players won't be allowed to play. Now, I really think lockout would be done by then, but just in case it's not. So that would cost... Salt Lake, maybe six or seven players, five or six players, something like that. And maybe guys who would normally be a double-A would be playing a triple-A. But as far as uh, uh, the games themselves, they will definitely uh, be played. Yeah, that's true. We're extending it now. That's... uh... Gosh, we get past uh, into April, and they haven't settled these things. There's a bunch of knuckleheads at that point. Exactly, uh, exactly. Of course, the, the one thing that's going to be very interesting, I, don't want, I haven't heard uh, uh, your opinion on this, but uh, Salt Lake is going to be one of the, I think, 10 or 11 uh, AAA ballparks in which there will not be uh, home plate umpires calling balls and strikes. They'll be there to call uh, safer out at the plate and check swings and all that. But uh, Salt Lake's going to be one of the uh, 10 or 11 ballparks where we're going to have robo-umpires. So they're going to have uh, lasers or whatever uh, around the ballpark, and they're going to determine what pitches a ball and what pitches a strike. I have to see how it goes. You know, I think that baseball needs to make some changes to quote-unquote modernize itself. Uh, for for fans, I mean, you look at what the NFL and NBA has done because ultimately, it I always put particularly at the pro level and and baseball, minor league, professional, uh, major league that that is pro baseball either way. So to me, it's first and foremost entertainment. I know for some folks, uh, particularly those involved, it's about winning, it's about competition. Uh, but for me, it's about entertainment. And if you can make the game more entertaining, now don't make it a joke. I'm not saying that, but if you can make it more entertaining. I'm all for it, whatever those changes might be. And so uh, I want to reserve judgment. You know, I I think that instant replay has taken away to a large degree the uh, histrionics of Earl Weaver going out, turning the cap back, and just 
spitting, flying everywhere, going face to face with umpires. And and from a from a fan standpoint, that was always highly entertaining to see Billy Martin. You know, you what's he going to do? You don't want it to get physical. I think Pete Rose had, had uh, kind of pushed an umpire once, right? But you know, the throwing of the, uh, the dirt on the home pl- on home mm-hmm. plate, people view that as entertaining. Now you can get carried away, chucking bases, or the, what was there one minor league dude who was out there uh, crawling like he was yeah, in yeah, the military or something? Uh, yeah, he was uh, yeah. crawling like he was an infantryman yeah, and yeah. throwing a, a rosin bag <laughs> like it was a grenade. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, PK, because with all the technology that they have and setting this up with the robo umpires and all that, why is it in football we still rely on two guys with a 10-foot-long chain to determine first downs? Yeah, 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 and spotting, spotting of the ball. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but at the same time, if it's fourth down and, and inches, what did you get? You feel a surge of a jolt of energy go through the crowd, right. you know, as they stretch that thing out, and you're trying to judge it. No matter if you're at home or you're in the stands, you're trying to judge wherever you might be, and it adds to the drama of the sport. So again, that, so in that situation, the entertainment value is greater than it would be getting it right. Yes, and for me, who normally doesn't care, I don't have an NFL team. Uh, I'm just—I want to be entertained. Like last week, I was entertained. I mean, it was entertained right. off the charts. Uh, and no matter, it doesn't matter to me who wins. I, to me, I view it as going to movie. I want to be entertained, and that—that that, that portion of it is entertainment. So I have to see before yeah. you get out of here. Obviously, the 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 guys, the Bonds, Clemens, uh, Schilling. I think Sosa's sort of out there in no man's land. Mm-hmm. But those other three, you know, they were more pillars of the game. Their 10-year tour of being on the writer's ballot is over. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, you know, I, it's, it's interesting with, with those guys because I think all of them, maybe not so much Schilling, but certainly Bonds and Clemens, these guys, before they allegedly started uh, using steroids, they had Hall of Fame careers. I, I guess Bonds was enamored with the home run, uh, much like A-Rod was enamored with the home run instead of put, just putting up great overall numbers. And Clemens had great numbers. Now, obviously, maybe the steroids helped Roger have the amount of success he had late in his career and all that. Uh, I guess it's one of those things, uh, not everybody used it, but there was a, a vast majority, you have to think, uh, were using it. So they were... From a competition standpoint, it was fairly level. So, you know, maybe slap their hands and, and not vote them in on the first ballot or the second or whatever. But I think in the long run, they eventually deserve it. And uh, and even with Pete Rose, I think he deserves to uh, be in the Hall of Fame because everything that he was accused of and convicted of came as a manager and not as a player. Uh, don't let him back in baseball. Just let him be in the Hall of Fame. So I think those guys eventually will get in. Maybe not Pete, but the events. Uh, I'll be curious to see, though, how the Veterans Committee handles all this because they, they've kind of been staunch at anti-steroid right. users. You know, obviously, David was accused of it one time, and the, and the one time he tested positive, that test was thrown out as invalid. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thought is that I was listening to Harold Reynolds talk, and he was saying that the, the one thing he thought steroids did is baseball. It's about what you do when you're gassed. 
You know, when you when you enter the mm-hmm. season, everyone's fresh and so forth. But w- when we get into late July, August, and he felt that that's where the steroids really kicked in and the advantages because uh, at that point you got injuries, you got fatigue, you don't even know what city you're in, you're traveling all the time, blah blah blah. And he felt like that could put guys over the edge. As I look back at that error, it's like everybody looked the other way, and now all of a sudden we're going to look straight at him and say, "How dare you?" Well, let's put it this way, PK. The guy who oversaw the whole thing and hit it was in, is in the Hall of Fame, Bud Selig. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, uh, to get by the dog days of July and August and September, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, right. it was greenies. So right. uh, some, there was some sort of enhancement used all throughout the history of baseball. And it's basically been looked the other way in, in the other sports. So I don't know why the attention, maybe it's because baseball historically is so statistics-driven right, that right, people right. Uh, uh, look at it differently than they do. And uh, Because I'm sorry, but guys who are 6'4", 310 pounds on a football field shouldn't be running a four four six forty. I'm sorry, that's that's just not physically right. Yeah, that's what they were talking about on Baseball Network too. The problem with Bonds is he broke arguably, maybe unarguably, the most sacred record, individual record of all of sports, and he broke it by someone who was viewed as the ultimate statesman of the game, and obviously I'm talking about the home run record. So they were they were sort of surmising that if he would have just hit like 710 home runs, mm-hmm. maybe he'd have a better chance <laughs> well, to get in. You, you think he would have gotten in had he had the same uh, outgoing, friendly personality as David Ortiz? And he certainly didn't have that. He was, no. And the thing about him is that I was going to the same university that he was going to at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And I knew guys. And they were talking about that then. Little <laughs> <laughs> so, thoroughly around campus. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys live, I live right next door to guys on the team. And and they were talking. I got to know them because I mean, I, and I went. I had been a big ASU baseball fan since the time I was 15 years old, and so I'd, I'd I would oh, they had the weekend series, and I would be there at least two of the three games. Maybe not the Friday night because I had to work, but I would be there Saturday and Sunday every home series. So I was a huge fan, and those guys were my guys. And so I had heard about that stuff, and certainly, yeah, that played in. And, and we got to go to break, and I, I wish I could keep you more because it's the same thing with Schilling. I just don't know that I want these writer types, these voters, to be arbiters of morality. Right. I feel a little uncomfortable. Even though I don't, I, Schilling is out there. I mean, he's way out there. There's Very no way so. I got that stuff going on in my life. I mean, I, I want to be way far more down the middle than he's ever been. But yet, I look at him, who do I want to give the ball to with the game on the line? Uh, in my lifetime, I mean, I, I'm, I don't remember Koufax and those guys, but guys that I've seen, Schilling has got to be right at the top. Yeah, there's a few uh, right there, obviously, uh, I guess in my lifetime, since I am older, I I think for me it starts and stops with Bob Gibson. Of course, Gibson, yeah, but I I never saw him. Well, I, I did, and he, right. was, he was fun to watch. Oh, I saw the stats, yeah, and, and, and he was unbelievable, no doubt about it. So, all time, but I'm talking about, you know, in the 70s, 80s, right, and, and 90s. Right. I mean, Schilling is, I think there's something, there should be something for that, but I guess we'll see what the Veterans Committee do. Exactly. Does. All right, that was our man, Steve Clocky. He also does Weber State. They got a big game tonight against Northern Colorado, and they've got an opportunity to win the regular season in the big sky for sure 
Randy Ray's got another good team. He's had a bunch over the years. Coming up next, we'll get you the best of the Jazz postgame show right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Well, the Jazz go down again. Welcome on in on this Thursday morning. The Jazz lose 105-97. to Here's Jake Scott authoring what he does after every game, the best of the Jazz postgame show right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your final uh, from last night, the, the uh, Suns beat the Jazz 105-97. to uh, The Jazz uh, got off to a really slow start. Phoenix outscored them in the first quarter, 39-18. The Jazz battled back in the second, actually went into halftime only down two. Um, fought hard in the fourth quarter to get it back uh, within two. Uh, costly foul uh, and then a technical foul by Hassan Whiteside and uh, basically put the game out of reach from there and the Jazz end up losing 105-97. So let's get some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. What I saw was um, Booker had 21 first half or first quarter points um, where we didn't run back with um, the level of commitment and intensity that it takes to win the game. We fouled and gave up six points. We gave up three on an offensive rebound and we were down 20. Um, to me, you know, our ability to focus and prioritize those collective things that ultimately win and lose games. You know, we can talk about a play, you know, how we executed something, how they executed something. We can talk about what a good player Devin Booker is, that Chris Paul is a clutch player. We could also talk about the fact that we were down 20 and just battled back. Mike Conley spilled his guts on the court. Like anybody that watched that game, if you watched every possession, the way he was getting bumped and held, knocked down, got back up, fought, competed. But we gave up, you know, we gave a 20-point lead up in the first quarter because we weren't focused on the things that we need to be focused on to win. And we, and then we do. So um, this is a group that and, and we have to find that. And then we can talk about what's the question? Hassan's foul. You know, there was a lot of fouls. You know, Hassan's got to keep, you know, he's got to keep self-control. It's unfortunate. But we also had other situations throughout the course of the game. That's something that, you know, us talking to the officials and pleading our case, we didn't do that when we were coming back. You know, we played through contact. We adjusted to the way the game was going to be calling. And, you know, anytime you know, there, there's mental errors in the game and guys have to keep their cool. I don't know what else to say about it. I have to watch the play, Tony. Generally keep the boss time, or whatever it is, going one of two directions. They can't keep going down. That's, that's not even. Yeah, I mean, that's like, we're not going. We're going one direction. You know, and it's not down. Like I could be angry, and we can be disappointed, and, but you know, we we talked about it all you know we can have it either way whatever we want to focus on the best record in the league lost in the playoffs you know seventh seed in the playoffs winning the playoffs 
Yeah. So I'll say it again. I want us to be the best version of ourselves at the end of the year. And who knows what's going to happen. We're playing without Rudy Adonis right now. You know, like, that doesn't mean we can't run back. You know, unless Rudy and Donovan come back and don't run back, you know. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, this isn't about winning and losing. This is about, you know, committing to the things consistently that allow you to win. And I guess in that case, it is winning and losing. And you'll win, you know, we had a chance to win tonight's game, you know, even down 20. So, you know, they're obviously, you know, Booker had a, really good night you know we we had we 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 weren't up enough in certain situations where he was able to get clean looks that weren't contested in the mid-range you know and that's it's a game plan issue but it's an execution issue and we've got to clean that up you know but i have confidence that we can do those things but it's the same level of commitment and focus and it's not you know we're not this isn't like chicken little the sky is falling like i i don't you know you go through check our record when rudy and mike are playing you know i mean i I don't i don't think anybody can look at and i don't even know what it is you know i don't know i know what month it is i know we're playing memphis and then minnesota and that's about it and that's really all i care about what we do next game and i care that we compete because that's how we get better and we didn't compete the first portion of the game and then we competed like crazy i mentioned mike you know we had guys that dug in so um and both can be true at any given time you just can't you're gonna have it's a game of mistakes there's gonna be breakdowns but it's what you do with them and how you respond to them and we can't you know we can't have stretches that you know that that bury us like that early and you know you're just not gonna it may come back and steal one, but you know that's that's not going to be, and that, that's not, you know, to the extent that's something that um, we fought. I think we've made progress there, you know. I think, but we we need to make more. Well, you know. I hate to, you know, Rudy's pretty good and Donovan's pretty good. So, you know, I, I don't know what we shot. I, I thought there were times, Andy, when we didn't take, like, didn't take shots that we need to shoot and the ball stops. And against the team that's as physical as they are, that takes your space once you do that, unless you make a quick decision to pass it or drive it, you know, possession's going to die. You're going to be stuck on one side of the floor. Um, and, you know, we know that there's, you know, it's not golf. Someone's not like knocking your ball out of the hole. You know, you've got to, you've got to react to what they're doing and they're trying to not let you do something and we're trying to do it. And if we don't, you know, get those quick decisions against the team that has that type of length, you know, Mikhail Bridges, I don't know if like, I don't know if you, you guys will vote. Is he first team all defense? Probably. But, you know, 
so you got to shoot and that's something you know that we know as well it's not it's not always that easy i could sit here and say it but you got a six eight guy closing out on you like that it's a you know it's imperfect but um you know i think when the ball stops because of some level of indecision you know that really hurts us would be would be the answer when we were able to get out and push and play pick and roll and get the space we need you know mike got in the lane a lot got knocked down a lot too we keep working you know i'm not thinking of it we'll think about the guys that are out there and when those guys are back you know not that you're not thinking about them but it doesn't it doesn't do us any good to lament that and say okay well you know when we get healthy when we get you know there's that's part of an NBA season, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, however I sound, I'm not like, I would have liked to play better, but, you know, we've got a team that's um, capable and I believe in them, which is part of the reason that, you know, that there's frustration from all of us that those things can, we can allow some of those things to happen. And, um, you know, as I said, the best version of ourselves at the end of the year. It's not that the regular season doesn't matter, but these types of games, you know, need to make us better. And that, that's it's really what you do with it, you know. So what we do with this one is learn from it and, you know, learn from the fact that we're down 20 and we battle back. I mean, it, it, you got to take the good with the bad, you know. So it's not all bad. You know, a lot of good. But the thing about there's certain things you can control. Yeah. You know, those are that that that's where we want to put our focus. You know. So anybody else? This will seem more five player than I get, but do you feel like there's buy-in from everyone on the Yeah, you know, we like that's a we can go down that like road, you know, like, have I lost the team? Yeah. I mean, you know, what is buying, you know, like, yeah, it was total buying, you know, just guys want to be good, you know, and some of it is, you know, there's an expectation when guys come back, you know, that, you know, you're just going to kind of keep doing what you, you know, it's a different year. You know, it's, so you gotta gotta work, but as far as buying goes, like no, you just have, you know focus, you know putting importance on certain things, like you know that that's that, that's not not necessarily buying. I don't think anybody will kind of you know, you'll go talk to those guys. No one's we're on the same page, you know, and you want to do it. And I, I mean, for that matter, like those are things we've done, you know, of, you know, I don't know of late and we've been down guys, you know, I mean, you could write the story that Donovan and Rudy are out, you know, like that actually matters, but you know, it doesn't matter right now because we want to win. And there's things that we can do to win that, that we didn't do. You know, we did them and then we did do them. So just do them more, keep working. You know, we like said, you know, the sky's not falling, but that doesn't mean that we're accepting something either. I don't think that's 
Am I making any sense? Okay. There's Coach Quinn Snyder, a little bit of an edge. Uh, not happy with Devin Booker scoring 21 in the uh, first quarter on his way to scoring a game-high 43. Not pleased with the foul. Not pleased with the Jazz not getting back on defense. Let's now get to the players. Uh, let's get to uh, – this is uh, together at the podium, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> Um, well, you know, like this is it seems like we play tonight our games that we look forward to and um, are obviously measuring sticks for, you know, what we need to do and how we need to compete to win uh, and to play at a championship level. And, you know, I want to be where they were at last year. And so I'm just trying to, to bring, you know, as much passion and, and compete as much as I can. You know, I know the guys are too. So, um, you know, I might not be the most vocal person all the time, but, you know, when they, when I get in that mode, everybody knows like, you know, it's time to go and how important it is. So I think that that's kind of, set the tone for you know that second second third fourth quarter and gave us gave we gave ourselves a chance just by our energy level on the line you guys did go down 20 or whatever it was in the first quarter what was wrong initially and then what got fixed in order to bring you guys back uh i think they just got out transition made some uh easy buckets early um but I mean, we made that a, a non-factor uh, in the second half, and you know we had a chance to win the game. Uh, you know, we we saw things that we like defensively uh, playing them. Um, I think we played aggressive um, in that sense. Uh, like I said, we had a chance to win the game. We made changes, we made adjustments. Um, you know, they just they just played well. No, I think that uh, that despite having lost a few of these games, we've been a lot more connected in a lot of different ways. It's just when you see something like a you know a, a blown coverage it's so much more evident now in like everybody's minds because that's what's been hurting us for the last you know first half of the year so now everybody you know is really frustrated by it so it seems like it's happening every single time but in reality we've we've done a lot of good things and as a group we've we've stood together and resilient in a time that you know without Don without really guys in and out of the lineup and you know we're just you know trying to find our way regardless of the situation and um, like I said regardless of the losses I think we're heading in the right direction as far as staying connected we have our lapses here and there but that can come from just guys not we're not used to playing with certain guys and certain guys are using the playing playing in certain minutes late in the fourth or in certain crunch time situations so it's just about um, you know once we get it all back together I think you know we'll start to, to feel a little bit better about our stuff Oh you know, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, every every win matters. Uh 
you know, we got a we had a chance both uh both games down in Phoenix and in here uh, to get a win. Um, but this with this road stretch, um, we're definitely looking to lock in and, and get these uh, these next ones. Um, but throughout the year, every every win means something to us, and uh, you know, a step. Um, in terms of our process of building and everything, uh, I think that's what it what it is. Uh, he was, you know, continually talking about the things that that are absolutes for us in the sense that, like, you know, boxing out, getting back in transition, like. You either will do it or, or you won't do it. You know, it's it's got it's come it comes down to that. You know, no matter how much film we watch and how many post game talks or how many times we get on each other, eventually, as you know, man to man, we have to hold our own self accountable, and that's kind of his message um, tonight, and it's, and it's been his message the last you know week or so. So um, we just ran into those same issues. You know, we ran into those same issues, and they kind of you know sh- showed real early. You know, with the way that they came out and got in transition and stuff that we could control that um, because at the end of the day, you know, Book's going to hit tough shots. Chris Paul's going to hit tough shots late. We know that, but we can't give them easy stuff, you know, throughout the game to, to you know, put ourselves in a hole. Like, it's fair to say that one of the reasons you can have to lose games and get a different starting lineup and just different rotations every game for so many people are missing. Is it hard to keep that context when you just don't get the victory? You know, you don't get the payoff at the end that there are outside reasons you're losing games. Uh, it for us we don't really look at it like that because I think you know in the years past we've won games without guys and we've we've still been able to play our game, um, but you know, we do recognize that guys are out, but we we still believe that we should have you know we could have won a night we could have won it the the previous night uh, down in Phoenix and there's a bunch of games we should have won so like regardless of that we don't make excuses we go out there with the guys we have and we have full confidence in them and uh, we just have to be better you know, man to man. Yeah, I think um, just the way they compete, you know, those guys are hungry too. Uh, they want to get out there on the floor, play. Uh, they played a, a great game down in Phoenix. They were bring high energy. Um, just for everybody. I know we, we competing and we trying to win. Uh, it goes all the way down the line. Uh, we know we got guys out, but everybody steps up, uh, lays their shoes up, and, and is ready to play no matter what. I think you've seen that in Toronto when kind of everybody was out. You know, they had a chance to win the game there as well. So um, I think all our guys are ready uh, to step in, lace their shoes up, and, and get down. Because I know we be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in Cleveland, uh, I think we went through a little stretch like that. Uh, we went to the finals, but... <clears throat> I think, you know, our team is, is really good. We're really talented. We just got to lock in. And um, I think I keep saying that, but, um, you know, continue to get our guys back, 
you know, same old same, but uh, I think we're really good. That's why it's different. Uh, we know what we have here, uh, and we know we all out there going to compete and trying to win something. And, um, you know, we we lost these games. You know, none of us really got our head down right now. Um, I mean, it sucks. We frustrated. It's, that's part of the game, but um, I think we still got one, one goal, and um, – and one thing on our mind, and that's what it is. And we're going to win these games and keep competing and uh, keep growing as a team. Given that, it seems like starting to start walking in has kind of been kind of a positive refrain, you know, kind of obvious aggressive that you guys have. And then Quinn comes out and says, you know, first quarter tonight, we didn't run in transition. We find ourselves down 20. <laughs> We play our asses off after that, so it's like hard to come back from being at 20. What's kind of the, the disconnect in terms of why these stretches of lack of focus keep happening? It's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's different on a nightly basis. I think it's about five guys being, you know, locked in at the same time. I think we have stretches where it's three guys that are doing the right thing and two that are offbeat, four doing the right thing, one that's off. When you're playing against good teams, you can't you can't be disconnected at any point. And I think early in the games, sometimes we we you know we turn it over early and we they, you know they get back out in transition and we not everybody's sprinting. We have three guys sprinting instead of five. Like that stuff happens. We get five guys sprinting in you know the second, third, fourth quarter when we've been down by 15. So we've got to 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 as a as a team turn that switch on. You know, man to man, everybody has to do it, and we can't just be you know two or three guys here and there and, and inconsistent and that's what you get. You get quarters where you get down 20 and you give up 39 the first and then you come back and you make it a game. So, you know, we know how good we are. And at this point in the season, we obviously would love to be playing better, but we know we want to be playing our best basketball. And this time's, you know, time right now um, is for, for, for us to grow together. And hopefully, you know, when the, the, the latter part of the year, we're going in the playoffs, we're playing our best ball and, um, and, and clicking all cylinders. There's Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. Let's uh, wrap up uh, the, the player sound with Hassan Whiteside. I'm just trying to compete, you know. Um, just trying to come out here and do the best I can. Um, after battling COVID, having a 104 degree fever in the basement for the last two weeks, just trying to come out here and um get back in shape and being away from the team and um, get back out here. You know, um, I guess the number one team in the NBA. You feel like you're not at 100% right now? Hell no. I've been in the basement for 10, <laughs> for 10 days. I'm human. You know, um, you know, um, sweats, hot sweats, um, staying up all night. Um, the only thing I could do is watch TV and sleep. You know, I've been doing that for the last two weeks. Um, sorry we ain't beat the Suns. Um, dude just jumped, got in front of me, and just fell over, and that caused bull. And I'm, I'm, I, just, I stand on that. You know, um, I don't think that was worth a technical. You know, but 
I was like, why would you give me a technical and um in the fourth quarter when it's when it's this you know at this time and, and you know you know it's a it's a competitive game. Guys care. You know, if I didn't care I wouldn't I care, you know. Um I could be with my son right now. He got COVID. Tough out here. There's Hassan Whiteside and uh Hassan uh admitting that uh, he had a rough time with COVID. Hundred and four degree uh temperature in his basement for ten days, couldn't do much, doesn't feel like he's uh back and right quite yet. He actually had a good game despite the foul. Uh, he had 16 points to go along with uh, 11 rebounds and two blocks, but the Jazz come up short, 105-97. to uh, Next uh, broadcast is coming your way. Tomorrow night, the Jazz will be in Memphis taking on the Grizzlies. That game will tip off at 6. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. There you go. It's the best of the Jazz postgame coming up, 7 o'clock hour. Lincoln Kennedy at the bottom of the hour. And in an hour, Scotty G will be joining us. He can talk about that big Utah State win that they had over San Diego State. They were quite excited, as they should be, no doubt about it. Improved to 11-9, and 2-5 in the conference. 7 o'clock hour coming up. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.